0: As we continue our series on keeping the first things, the first things in 2021. Again, there's so much going on. Sometimes we're carrying some baggage over from 2020. Most of that we, we need to let go. And so we're going to have a lot of things coming up in 2021. And so it really is important to make sure we're keeping the first things, the main thing, and the main thing, the first thing. And so uh, if you remember from last week, we'll do a little bit of a review. The very roots of all that is first and all that is good is in God. In Isaiah 44, 6, God says, I am the first and the last. And so everything that is good originates with the heart of God. He is at the beginning. He is at the end. And we talked about that last week. And if you remember, one of the scribes came up to Jesus and said, what is the first commandment? And Matthew's gospel, I think, adds it, what is the great commandment? Same thing. And so he was asking Jesus, what is the most important thing About this book. That's a pretty important question, and he asked the right person. And Jesus said, The main thing or the most important thing to God is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. As I just want to remind you, in all of the going and all of the busyness, I just want to remind you the most important thing to God is an intimate love relationship with you and that's so important to remember because we can get busy doing a lot of good things and sometimes we miss the most important thing if you remember we talked about the church at ephesus last week they were literally hitting it on every cylinder this was a church that was getting it done for God. They were toiling to the point of exhaustion. They were laboring. They were not becoming weary. They were not allowing false teaching. They were doing it for his namesake. I mean, they were doing so much right. Jesus said, you just have one thing against, he had one thing against the church and all of their going and all of their busyness, they lost their first love, that honeymoon, that intimate, passionate love. And Jesus said, if you don't get that back, I'm going to remove your lampstand. That's how important it is to God. We can get everything going right, but if we're not passionately in love with God, I mean, that's the most important thing to God is that passionate love. I love how John, we ended last week with a couple verses here, John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I used to kind of not really think about that that much, or some people say, well, that's kind of arrogant when you're saying that about yourself. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. But you know, when you think about it, every one of the writers could have said that, because it would have been true. But John, I think, got it. John understood, not only in his head, but in his heart, that God really does love him. And when you discover God's incredible love for you, it will change your life. It's no longer performing for God's love, but because he loves you so much, it's a joy to do something for God. It's not, a, it's not a drudgery, it's not something I have to do. When you discover the love of God, it will be your greatest discovery. That he absolutely loves you in the process of becoming more like Jesus. If you think in your mind, well, as soon as I get all this straightened out, he'll love me. Keep, I mean, you're never gonna get it all straightened out. So you have gotta love God in the process along the way. We ended last week with this verse in John 17, where Jesus is praying to the Father, he says in the last verse there of John 17, I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them. I just want you to think about that. The same love that the Father loved Jesus would be in us. That's crazy. It's hard to believe, and we know that God the Father loved the Son, the Son loved the Father. Jesus said, I want that same love to be in them. And when you discover the unconditional love of God, it literally will change your life. So the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, all right? So today I want to talk about evangelism and missions What is the first thing in evangelism and missions? Now, growing up, I've been in ministry 42 years. I've been to enough conferences. There's been enough evangelism programs by the Southern Baptists. We should have won the world 10 times over. We've got programs. We've got programs for everything. But what is the first thing in missions and evangelism? This is something God is just teaching me. Now, in my, in my older years, all right, let's look in Romans 1.16. This is probably one of the most familiar verses when we talk about evangelism and missions. Let's read it together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. So Paul says here, and Paul, who calls himself, by the way, an apostle to the Gentiles, it was Paul who said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. We'd all say amen. But then he went on to say to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. I believe that everything God does has order. And I wanna tell you something God is just teaching me in recent years, and that I believe that his order is the Jew first and then the Gentile. I wish it would have said to the Baptist pastor first and everybody else after that. I wish it would have said to the American Christians first, but I'm telling you the order of God is the Jew first and then the Gentile. Now, I want, to be, I want to be as clear as I can, I think God loves us all the same. I don't think God loves the Jews any more than he loves the Gentiles. I, I have very good friends who love the Lord, who are smarter than I am, and they've told me, you know, that God no longer deals with Israel. The church has taken Israel's place. I want to tell you, I don't believe that's true. And in the book of Romans, and we're going to talk more about it next week, but Paul develops the idea that God is not done with Israel. And I believe one day there's going to be a great revival before he comes back. And once again, God is going to pour out his spirit on the nation of Israel. And even though Israel has not been faithful to God, the covenant that God made to Abraham, even though the Jews have not kept their end and they have rebelled over and over and over, I just want to go on record as saying God is faithful and God has kept his end and he always will keep his end of the covenant. And so I'm glad that there's room for the Gentiles. And, and God loves us as the church. I believe we're the bride of Christ. I think we have a special place in the heart of God. But I just want to go on record as saying that God is a God of order. Everything has an order and a place, all right? So that word first, just to kind of give you, it's the Greek word proton. Everybody say proton. And it, it wouldn't surprise you that it means first. In time, place, or order, especially above all. So in other words, the same word is used here in Matthew 6.33, a very familiar verse, where Jesus says, Seek first, or seek pro-time, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. doesn't say that's all you seek but you seek it first. You put it at the top of your seeking, because if you're seeking God with all of your heart, again, that's what we need to have as first place. You know, everything in life has order. Now, you say to me, what about that verse in Galatians, and I'm gonna give it to you, where Paul says in Galatians 3, that in Christ there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Now, I want to say, in the spiritual realm, we are all 100% equal to God. In the spirit realm, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. There's no difference between the male and the female. But in the spirit realm, I just want to tell you ladies, you have as much clout with God as your husband. I mean, when you realize God doesn't look down and base what we say on whether we're male or female, Jew or Greek. We're all one in the spirit realm. But in the physical realm, there's an order that God goes with. Because in the family, the husband is ahead of the head of the wife. Even though they're completely equal in the spirit realm, in the physical realm, there's still an order that God goes with. Now, I had a guy that used to cut my hair. and I used to kind of laugh. He said, i love to take my wife to weddings. I love to take my wife to weddings because I want her to hear the part about her obeying her husband. He said, all I've got to do is pledge to her my troth, whatever that is. And he would laugh about it. But I want to say this. I believe in marriage. It's an equal responsibility. The wife is supposed to submit to her husband as unto the Lord, but the husband is to love his wife like Christ loved the church. And I'm just going to tell you something. I'm going to go out on the limb and say, if we husbands can love our wife like Christ loved the church, they would have no trouble submitting The husband has the greater responsibility. And so there's equal responsibility. But again, even though in God's eyes there's no male or female, in the physical realm, there's still male and female. You know, in the body of Christ, we're all equal with God. There are no more important, less important people. You're all equal in God's eyes. But in the physical realm, God has given us different offices in the church. But it doesn't mean one's more important than the other, because God wants us to function like a body. So that's true. So in the the spirit realm, there's no difference between Jew and Greek. But in the spirit realm, or in the physical realm, God has an order, and it's Jew first, Gentile second. Now that kind of humbles you a little bit, because I want to be first! But God has an order. Everything He does has order. I want to just go back and just remind you, as we think about the ministry of Jesus, It was Jew first, then Gentile. And I just want to show you why in the Bible, I believe God's order in the physical realm is Jew first, then Gentile. The woman at the well, you remember he said to her in John 4.22, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jew. Now, the Amplified Bible says there, salvation is from the Jews. Now, in the book of Romans, which we're going to get into more next week, Paul says that it's the Israel. Why should we want to support Israel? Why should we look and be thankful to the Jewish people? Paul said it's to the Jewish people that God gave his word. He gave the law to the nation of Israel. It's through the nation of Israel that gave us our Savior. And so Paul says in Romans, you guys owe the Jewish people. And it humbles us to realize that God chose the Jewish people. Not because they were a great people. They were pretty rebellious. They were pretty hard-hearted. But he chose them, and he put his love on the nation of Israel. And So in the book of Romans, I believe Paul teaches that God is not done with the nation of Israel. And So here he tells the woman, he reminds her, salvation is is from the Jews. And then when Jesus sent out the disciples, I want, again, a very familiar passage, but I want to again remind you, from Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent out the twelve, He commandeth them saying, "Do not go to the way of the Gentiles. Why would he do that? Because he loves the Gentiles. I believe the gospels for all of us. Why would he start with the Jews? Because that's God's order. All right Again, not that he loves them more than us. But his order in the physical realm is Jew first, then Gentile. So he says, do not go in the way of the Gentiles. He goes on to say, do not enter a city of Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm sending you out primarily to the Jewish people. Not because he doesn't love the Gentiles, but again, it always starts with the Jewish people first, and then the Gentiles after that and again kind of humbles us to realize we're not number one Now, again he loves us all the same but in the natural realm i think god has an order all right you remember the syrophoenician mother in matthew chapter 15. here's a gentile mother she comes to jesus her daughter is severely demon possessed and she's crying out after god listen to what jesus said to this woman it almost sounds kind of harsh in a way but he's reminding her of God's order. He says to this mother, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, he didn't say he wouldn't do it because he did do it. But he said to her, primarily, my mission right now is to the Jew. Because that's God's order. To the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Now, she fell down and she cried out, say, Lord, help me. By the way, if you want to memorize a prayer, that's a good one. Man, when you cry out after God, Lord help me, and you're you're crying out from the bottom of your heart, that has some clout in heaven. So I want to tell you again, in the spirit realm, we're all equal. You know, somebody may come up to me and say, Pastor, will you pray for this? Because I know you're closer to God than I am. Not true. Not true. I mean, a little child that's born again, eight years old, has as much clout with God as I do. I want to tell you guys, you guys have some cloud in the kingdom of God in the spirit realm. But in the physical realm, again, there's an order that God has. The Great Commission, which we love to preach, we love to teach, the Great Commission. I just again want to slow it down and look at the Great Commission. Jesus has died, getting ready to ascend into heaven. Luke says this in Luke chapter 24. Jesus said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all the nations. All God's people said, woo, that's good stuff. Beginning at Jerusalem. I don't want you to run into all the world. I want you to start in Jerusalem. By the way, it took them 10 chapters to get out of Jerusalem in the book of Acts. You ever realize that? They stayed in Jerusalem a long time. May have stayed in Jerusalem if it wasn't for the persecution. But he said, I want you to begin in Jerusalem. Now, Luke records it a little bit different in the book of Acts chapter 1. And this is a verse we quote. This is a verse that we as a church use as kind of a mission statement. And I think it's a good one. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me first in America. First where? Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. I want to say that really is a good formula to start where you are and to work out. So I think it is a good formula. But I'm being honest. He's saying start with the Jewish people. I want you to start with the Jew, because again, God's order is the Jew first, and then the Gentile. Now again, they stayed in Jerusalem for eight chapters. And so even though he said go into all the world, they stayed there ministering to the Jewish people. About 3,000 got saved in the day of Pentecost. About 5,000 got saved in Acts chapter 3 after the lame guy was healed. So there was eight to 10,000, I don't know how many thousands of people. But man, when revival's breaking out, I just want to kind of stay right there. But in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is stoned. And as a result of his stoning, the Bible says in Acts 8, Now, Saul was consenting to his death, talking about Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Those rascals stayed in Jerusalem. So even though he told them, go into all the world, they stayed in Jerusalem for eight chapters. It was because of the persecution that they were scattered. And I love how the Bible says everywhere they went, they went sharing Jesus. But it took some persecution to get them out of their comfort zone. And then they went into all the world. And so in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 9 is when Saul is converted. Saul's on the road to Damascus to persecute the church. And I love this, this encounter. It's really one of the classic encounters as God appears to Saul on the road to Damascus here he's out trying to persecute the church and he encounters Jesus and God is going to call him as an apostle to the Gentiles God is going to raise him up to reach the Gentile people but at this time in Acts chapter 9 at this point the church in Jerusalem still hasn't accepted the idea that Gentiles would be a part of the church you know, it's funny, I just want to remind you guys, the early church was all Jewish. Some people have a hard time with the idea of accepting Jews into the church. The early church was all Jewish, and they struggled accepting Gentiles. And so here in 9, he calls him as an apostle to the Gentiles. He says to Ananias, who he wanted to go and lay hands on him, that Saul will bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of of Israel. So Acts chapter 9, God's calling him as an apostle to the Gentiles. But again, keep in mind, at this point, the church still hasn't accepted the Gentiles until chapter 10. Chapter 10 is when Peter goes to the house of Cornelius. If you remember, God gives him a vision of a sheep being let down three times. Peter had to have everything in threes. He had a hard time getting it. And so he finally goes to the house of Cornelius, and I love the Bible says he took some Jewish friends along, because he didn't want to get caught in this Gentile without some witnesses. So he goes there and as Peter is preaching, the Bible says as Peter was still preaching these words or speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. For the first time in Acts 1, he tells them to go into all the world. It was 10 chapters later before Peter went to the house of Cornelius. And as he was preaching, he didn't even get to the invitation. The Holy Spirit just fell. And the Bible says they were all astonished. All the Jews were astonished because the same gift they received on the day of Pentecost, these Gentiles received at the household of Cornelius. Ten chapters it took them to get to the Gentiles and begin to share. Now the next couple chapters uh, uh, deals with the city of Antioch. And uh, the Bible says because of the persecution, some of the Jews went from Jerusalem up to Antioch. And everywhere they went, they were sharing the gospel. And the Bible says a great revival broke out in Antioch. The church at Jerusalem heard about the revival, and it says they sent Barnabas up to Antioch. Why would they send Barnabas up to Antioch? Anybody remember what the name Barnabas means? encourager, son of encouragement. So the church of Jerusalem knew these new believers needed some encouragement. I want to remind you when a person gets saved, they need an older believer to come along and love on them and encourage them. So Barnabas was up there and the Bible says he began to disciple. I mean revival was breaking out and Barnabas leaves Antioch. He goes down to Tarsus to get Saul. Saul was saved in Acts 9, but it would be seven to ten years later before Barnabas went down to get him. Barnabas brought him up to Antioch, and the Bible says they stayed there for a full year helping the new converts. You say, how good did they do discipling these new converts at Antioch? I love the Bible says they were first called Christians at Antioch. They were so much living like Christ, the people of Antioch said, there's a bunch of little Christians running around. Christians should be Christ-like. So they were discipling these folks up in, in Antioch. And that was, in, again, in Acts 11 to 13. Now, I want to show you this because everywhere Paul went, even though he was an apostle to the Gentiles, every region he went to, he always went to the synagogue first. Have you ever asked yourself why? He's an apostle to the Gentiles, but every town, every region he goes to, he always goes to the synagogue first. Why does he do that? Because that's God's order. It's presenting it to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. And so one particular Sabbath, I mean, things were getting kind of, revival was breaking out, and so they invited Paul back the next Sabbath to preach, and the Bible says almost the whole town had gathered together to hear Paul preached. Isn't that pretty exciting? And so the whole town gathered together, and because of it, the Jewish leaders were kind of freaking out, and so they stirred things up, and they wanted to get rid of Paul and Barnabas. And listen to what Paul and Barnabas said to these Jewish religious leaders. It was necessary that the Word of God should be spoken to you first. This is Paul. He's saying it was necessary. Because that's God's order. God wanted to give you the opportunity first. But then he goes on to say, But since you rejected and judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. But if you think about it, I guess I've, I, you, know, you study the book of Acts, but you don't realize everywhere Paul went, he would go to the synagogue first. Because again, God's order is the Jew first and then the Gentile. doesn't mean he loves us less or loves them more. But that's just God's order in the natural realm, all right? And so chapter 15, finally the church at Jerusalem has a big business meeting. They're going to try to discover once and for all, are the Gentiles a part of the church? In chapter 1, he sends them into all the world. It took 15 chapters, half of the book of Acts, before the church of Jerusalem accepted the idea that us Gentiles would be a part of the church. It took a long time. But when they got together, first of all, Peter got up and testified about being at Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit falling. And then Paul and Barnabas got up and began to testify that everywhere they went with the Gentiles, that God's miraculous hand was working in the Gentiles. Then finally, James, the Lord's brother, stands up. He says, we should not trouble the Gentiles who are turning to God. It took 15 chapters for them to finally realize that the Gentiles were a part of the church. But I want to say to you today, and again, I've been at this a while. I believe when it comes to missions, when it comes to evangelism, there are no bad people groups to go to. I think God wants us to go to every people group. But I'm just telling you, I want you guys to think, you guys come from a lot of different backgrounds. How many of you come from a church that had a ministry to the Jewish people as a first priority? I'm being honest with you. Most of my life, I haven't even had them on my top 10. I've never really thought about the Jewish people as being a people group that God wants us to target. Now, I want to be honest to say, I don't think most of us Gentiles, if we went into a Jewish culture, would be very effective. I think it takes someone who is Jewish, who has been converted, to go in and share. And There are so many great uh, organizations their heart is to reach Jewish people. And so I believe we should support that. Now, several years ago, I got kind of convicted of that. And part of our budget, and it is a very small part, I'm just saying to my shame, but a very small part of our budget goes to help reach Jewish people. But I believe it should be important to us. You know, I had a chance several years ago, I didn't share this in the other services, but I had a chance to do a wedding with a rabbi. How many of you have ever been to a wedding with a Baptist preacher and a rabbi? You might have been at that wedding. But I grew up, I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty ignorant. I'm pretty ignorant of Jewish culture. I'm just telling you. I'm pretty ignorant. But I met with the rabbi and the couple getting married, and and, uh, we sat down. I remember the rabbi, super nice guy, but he looked up at me and said, and we were going to share the service, and he said to me, just please don't, Give me too much of that Jesus. Now here's what I think he was saying. I think there are a lot of us Gentiles who try to force Jesus down their throat. I think what he was saying is, don't jam it down our throat. And so we did the wedding, we had it all laid out. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm ignorant. I am ignorant. I've, never, I've only been to one of the Jewish wedding. I've never done a wedding with a rabbi. And so we got there, and we gave our parts and everything. What I did not know was he was going to chant his part in Hebrew. I didn't have that on my notes. He started out, I'm looking at my notes, where are we? And I waited for him to stop. And then I said, we are gathered here in the name of the Lord to join these two. I mean, I was really ignorant. But I want to say this. I love that rabbi. We didn't maybe see eye to eye on everything. I'm so thankful that back in 1999, Dave Williams offered to pay for Brenda and I to go to Israel. I've never had a desire to go to Israel, just never have even when he offered to pay our way i still didn't really want to go but we went but over i've had the we've had the privilege of going five times now and if you ever get a chance to go to israel depending on the time of year you go we came back and all we saw was a lot of sand and a lot of rocks i remember thinking to myself god you should have took a look at the lake of the ozarks it's really nice why would you choose the Land of Israel? And by the way, the only reason we call it the Holy Land, it's only holy because God chose it. Anything connected with God is holy. And when I was thinking about that on the flight home, about how plain it was and how boring the land was, I felt like God say to me, "It's a lot like you, isn't it? You didn't really have much to offer. And of all the cities on the planet, there's one city on the earth that God said, I want to be my city, and that's Jerusalem. We call it the holy city, and the only reason it's holy is because it's associated with God. I want to stand before you and say, the Jewish people have never been very much on the front burner of my life for most of my ministry. I'm just being honest. But in recent months, maybe recent years, God is reminding me that the nation of Israel was given the law by God. They gave us the Messiah. And I believe, as Paul writes to the Romans, we owe the Jewish people. We owe a debt of gratitude. And so it really has been a blessing to be able to sit and to think about helping to support the Jewish people. I want to ask some questions. Number one, are you praying for the Jewish people? If it's the Jew first, you would think somewhere at the top of our prayer list, we would be praying for the Jewish people because, again, the Jew first, then the Gentile. Number two, is reaching the Jewish people, number one, on my mission list? And I'm, I'm confessing to you, it hasn't been at the top of my list. But I believe if it is the Jew first and then the Gentile, somewhere at the top of our list, we should be helping support people who are helping to reach the Jewish people. All right? Number three, am I giving money to reach the Jewish people? If you're giving money to the church, you are giving money to help reach Jewish people. But I want to confess to you, it's not that much. And that's more my bad than anybody else. We have the greatest mission committee. I think Bob Caldwell is the greatest mission pastor I've ever, ever met. I mean, the guy is just incredibly mission-minded. But I believe that somewhere, ministering to the Jewish people should be a little bit higher up on our priority. Now, most of that would be helping to support groups that are already doing it. Number four, last question. Do I have a Jewish friend? Now, some of you may look and say, well, you know, I'm not really sure if they're Jewish. I just want to give you all some really, really great news. If you're a believer, you have your best friend is Jewish. Jesus said in John 15, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. By the way, you can't get to heaven unless your best friend is Jewish. You get to the gate. Do you have a Jewish friend? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus, aren't you glad he called us friends? And so next week, we're going to look in the book of Romans, because Paul develops this in the book of Romans, because again, I have really, really good friends. I have people that love the Lord who have told me that now the church has replaced Israel. Now, I think the church is really, really important, but I do not think it's replaced Israel. One day, there's going to be a great revival in the future. One day God's going to pour out His Spirit on the nation of Israel. And as I understand the book of Revelation, God's going to raise up revival in the nation of Israel. Aren't you glad that God is faithful even when they have not been faithful to Him? He still keeps His promise. God is so faithful. I think we're going to be blown away when we see the love of God to the nation of Israel, even though they flat out do not deserve it because they've been so rebellious against God. But that's why He loves us. I've been listening to, this is a Messianic believer, Joshua Aaron, and he does a live concert at the Tower of David, which is about a half a mile south of the Temple Mount. If you've ever seen the picture of the dome, that's kind of up on the Temple Mount. The city of David would be about a half a mile south of that, where David actually ruled and reigned right near the Mount Moriah, where Abraham took Isaac up on Mount Moriah. It's all right here. And there's something about just watching Jewish people who are believers in worshiping God. I mean, I love all worship. But we were over in Israel the first time we were out on the Sea of Galilee and they had a Messianic praise team. And they would sing one verse in English and the next verse in Hebrew. There was something about hearing them singing in Hebrew. There was something about these Jewish believers who have found Yeshua to be their Savior. because God doesn't love the Jews any more than he loves the Gentiles. I want to say it one more time. He could not love you anymore. But in the physical realm, there is an order, and that's Jew first, and then Gentile. I want you to listen to a song. It's about six minutes, so this will kind of end my time. But it's as for me and my house, as he quoting from Joshua, we will serve you, Lord, lifting holy hands in worship. We will not bow down to the gods of men. We will worship the God of Israel. In some of their songs, they call him Yeshua, and that would be Jesus. How many of you know Mary and Joseph never called him Jesus? Jesus! That's an English name. They would use Yeshua. And one of the things I appreciate about Jewish worship is they're very free in their worship. One of the songs... I'm not playing it today, but one of the songs, they have American Indians up there with them. I don't know how American Indians got with Messianic Jews. I don't know how that happened. But they start dancing. They have totally lost control. I want you all to stay in. On your way out today... I wanna give each family, I don't think I have enough for every person, but each family, I ordered some olive wood cups from Bethlehem, these are all the way from Israel. They're made out of olive wood. Each cup is very unique. But I wanna encourage each family to take one of these cups and just put it on your table or put it in your, by your bathroom sink, somewhere that you'll see it every day. And I wanna ask you guys to join with me And over the next 30 days or so, I want us to pray for the people of Israel and to pray for the Jewish people. There's some really great scriptures in the Bible that if I forget the old Jerusalem, may the tongue of my mouth cleave to the top of my mouth. We need to never forget Jerusalem. And so I just want to encourage you. I love you guys. There couldn't be a more mission-minded church than this church. But I hope somewhere we put the Jews up somewhere, somewhere of a priority, that we can realize it's the Jew first and then the Gentile. So listen to the words of this song. You are holy. Just sing along if you know the words. Worship along. In the middle of it, they'll have some Hebrew. So, and at the very end, they kind of get with it a little bit. We will not bow down to the gods of man. So I want you to listen to this song. Let's worship together with our Jewish brothers. In the city of David, about a half a mile south of the Temple Mount. As for me
1: and my house, We will serve you Lord Lifting holy hands In worship We will not bow down To the gods of man We will worship The God of Israel You are holy For
2: you are holy
1: Holy There is no like you you are holy holy there is no one else like you as for me and my house we will serve you alone lifting holy bow down to the gods of men, he will worship the God of his life, for
2: you
0: Next week, we're going to look at the second half of this, primarily looking in the book of Romans, where Paul again develops this idea of why we need to be thankful to the Jewish people. So I hope that you're here next week. I ordered, because I wanted to give a little bit of Israel to everyone who was here today, and so I ordered some communion cups made out of olive wood, and these are from Bethlehem. And so if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you will get an olive cup at the, at the garden tomb. But I've got one. I don't know if I have enough for every single person, but I, I hope I have enough for every family. And so I like for each family, feel free to take one. Uh, Joe's going to be in the back there. He'll have a glove on so he can hand you one. All the olive cups are all unique. They're all, you know They're all different. But again... I want to encourage you to put this on your table somewhere that you'll see it every day. And I just want us to encourage you as you encourage me. Let's pray for the Jewish people for the next 30 days or so and just ask God to give us a heart that in all of our going and all of our mission endeavor, and I think we're doing a lot of incredible things, but I want us to remember the Jewish people and somehow in all of our going to be able to give back to a people who gave us the Messiah. So they're in the back on your way out. Joe, be glad to give you one of those. Love you guys. Glad you're here. And again, I'm so thankful for God's incredible love. Let's pray. Father, fill us with your spirit. And Lord, even though for most of my life, I've had the Jewish people on the back burner, not really thought much about it. God, you've given me an appreciation for how much you love these people. And Lord, I pray that we would begin to join together to pray for the Jewish people, that they would come to know the Messiah. Father Phyllis, I pray that you would help us to make a difference everywhere we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen.